Hello, podcast listeners. Yakko Warner here, star of Animaniacs. That's right. Who cares about Wacko and Dot? It's all about me, baby. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 181. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Howdy. I'm M. Zero Garcia. And we're here tonight to talk about all the news, at least some of the news that's coming out in the world of sci-fi. And boy, with Comic-Con just past us this past weekend, do we have a heck of a lot of news? Oh, my God. I know. I know. What M said, you, you, M, you're saying you just shut down after a while after all the news. I did. Sunday morning, I'm sitting there trying to catch up with everything, and there was just so much, and it was just my brain went, oh, I'm sorry. I, the, I hit the, the, the gray <laughs> Sad Max screen in my brain that just said, no more, no more. It was a Comic-Con coma after all the news that came through. I um, needed like a Matrix-style plug in the back of my skull so I could sit up and go, oh, I know Comic-Con. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We keep making these Matrix references in our show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it and here's tonight's menu. Well, 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 it's going to be a good night. We have no interview tonight, but we have tons of news to talk about. So we're And we have short leave coming up, which we're absolutely ecstatic about. And oh, yeah. uh, that's just in the horizon, just two weeks away. By the time this airs, it'll be only days away. And we're excited about that. We have um, no one has gotten the trivia, so we're going to sweeten that deal tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Miles, do you want to just take us into the menu, and then we'll just go into the trivia and then leap into the news? Let's do that. Okay, so TV news: uh, Time traveling classic Twelve Monkeys may soon be a, a sci-fi TV series. Uh, Comic Con expands as uh, proving ground for new shows. Uh, Emmy nominees for so, for sci-fi shows and actors. And in movie news, um, so Steven Spielberg, is he right about an imminent movie industry meltdown? And we have a new trailer for Elysium, which looks really cool. And in this week's twist, uh, so Japanese scientists invent a hologram you can touch. So maybe this is a precursor to the holodeck and uh, Star Trek Next Generation. I can't wait till the holodeck comes real. And so, and, <laughs> yeah, me too. That would be great. And um, in this week's uh, Sci-Fi 5 at 5, uh, M is going to give us... Uh, her, her five great uh, uh, ass-kicking uh, sci-fi babes. Awesome. <laughs> Can't wait, Em. <laughs> I saw the list. It's awesome. It is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Guys, uh, you let us down. Gal, gals, you let us down. You know, we, we've given this trivia. We've given you, seems to be ample time. Let's, uh, we're going to try and uh, tantalize you with a little bit more loot, I think. So, yeah, we'll ask the question again. And, yes, you're going to have to work a little harder for it. But I think 
it's it's not impossible to to get. And there was this oh sweetened deal. You're gonna want it. So, well, here's the thing. Like, there's this really cool thing on a computer called the Google. Yes. You can do it, people. I have faith. What's this Google you speak of? It's the Google. It finds the things. <laughs> All the things. All the things. And there's also IMDb. Yeah. Which is kind of like Google for movies. See. But, and so what we want you to tell us is, what does Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, uh, TV series Lost and Defiance have in common? And I'll give you a hint. It's an actor. Or an actress. Yes, it's an actress. Yeah. She, she's, she's been in all these shows. Yep. And so he's got to figure out which actress that is. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're going to give the, the Rob Paulson uh, signed print away, but we're going to sweeten the deal. Seems like we got to do something to make you work for this. So you will get the Rob Paulson print, the Lee Ehrenberg print, and uh, a Masetta Vander uh, print if uh, you get this question right. And Lee Ehrenberg, people know, of course, from Pirates uh, of the Caribbean mm-hmm. and Once Upon a Time, he's grumpy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Musetta Vander, how will they know her? Uh, she's more of a character actress, but she has been in a tons of stuff. Uh, Star Trek uh, Voyager. Um, she was also in Buffy, and she was also in uh, Stargate uh, SG-1. <sighs> so... Uh, we met her last year, just a lovely lady. A shore leave, nonetheless, I believe. Uh, we met her shore leave mm-hmm. last year, just a, just a very sweet lady. And so, but um, yes, that's, that's, that's the prize we're giving this time. You know, talk- I loved her character from Voyager. She was so devious and delicious. <laughs> I, I like that uh, Harry got an uh, interstellar STD in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Harry. Harry got everything except laid. <laughs> Oh, and is there a code word? Because after all, we don't want people just uh, spamming this. So spammers stay away. The code word is Irathian. Yeah, that's a good code word. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Miles, for sharing that. And you have another two weeks. We're going to trivia you, maybe extend it a little bit beyond that. We'll give you a few more weeks here to try and answer this. When you answer this question, you can email your answers answers to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com. You can call us at one 888 508-4343, and both those ways or methods will get the answers to us. So that will work. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Miles, you're watching Under the Dome? Watching it and enjoying it very enjoying much. Enjoying it. How about you, Em? I, uh, since TV and I broke up. That's right. That's right. We had this conversation before. <laughs> yep. You are I, on the outs. Do you have Amazon yeah, Prime? I do have Amazon Prime, and I have it all queued up. Um uh, to actually catch up on this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good. Uh, my w- I actually got my wife into it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're two oh, episodes wow. in, and uh, she is – it's a little bit horror for her. Now, when I view the show, this – I guess I'm coming from watching Walking Dead. So you've been sufficiently and this, se- th- this seems pretty tame compared to Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. But for my wife, this seems a bit – to be pushing some of the limits. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, she's watching it with me and, and is intrigued by some of the characters. She, she always says she has to watch like a, an office episode or two afterwards just to lighten the mood. <laughs> <laughs> but Under the Dome. But anyways, we're going to play a promo for uh, the Under the Dome radio podcast with Wayne Henderson and Troy. And um, they're going to and, and And so if you're interested, if you love... Under the Dome and want to check out some of the, their thoughts and some listeners' theories, you can tune into their show. Here's a promo for their podcast. Hey, Wayne, what do a woodchuck, an airplane, and a cook have in common? Oh, Troy, this is not the time for jokes. A giant dome is about to appear over the town of Chester's Mill. Exactly, Wayne. The plane, the cook, the woodchuck all would have been better prepared for Dome Day 
if they had been listening to Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio? I've done some radio before. It's a new podcast this summer by and for fans around the upcoming miniseries Under the Dome. A podcast? Hey, maybe we should host it. We are hosting it, Wayne, and we invite all of you fellow dome heads to come and stay in the dome all summer long. So tune in to WUTD for Under the Dome Radio and leave some feedback on the website at underthedomeradio.com. For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. And we are back. Let's get into some sci-fi news. And uh, did this come out of Comic-Con, this whole 12 Monkeys thing, or was this prior to it? I'm not sure exactly. I just um, I just saw it on Blaster's website. So All right. Well, let's talk. Sure. So uh, we obviously, we reviewed 12 Monkeys on the Sci-Fi Rewind a long time ago. Uh, it seems like yeah. probably about two years ago. Mm-hmm. When I rewatched it, I still love this movie. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it again the last time I saw it. It's, it's different than... Most time travel movies you see, and it was very different for the time too, which yeah. which is part of its charm. It was made back in the mid nineties, right? So, but uh, Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, you have, uh, and there was a good crew kind of uh, backing this. And um, you, you, I assume you've seen Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, but yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the idea. So let's, without even reading the little mm-hmm. blurb about this, uh, the idea of bringing Twelve Monkeys and making it a TV show. What are your thoughts, Miles? It could be, you know, I'm going to be um, be cautiously optimistic. I'll definitely probably at least watch the pilot. Uh, it, will this concept work on TV? Um, it's it's possible. Um, Bruce Willis's main character they they sent him to the past and then brought him back to their present a few times, so I could see whoever is their main character. See him do something like that, and being that, the Twelve Monkeys was definitely a more. It, it was not a very clean, you know. It was very, very dystopian future. I, I think that sort of, um, that that's that that sort of theme is still very prevalent today. And so, if they go with that, I, I think it'll still appeal to a lot of people. Um, what do you think about this idea? Um, that movie was creepy. That was it was bizarre and it was dystopian before there was even the genre of dystopian. It would it's it's really well written, but it's just so obscure and I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna watch the pilot as well. I just don't know how this would convey into a TV show. Yeah, you know uh, they, they're calling it what a ninety minute backdoor pilot, which I guess is kind of they make it an hour and a half movie and try to sell it, and if it gets enough, if there's, if there's enough. You know, it gets viewership. They actually begin making the series off of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess maybe there's a little bit of hope here. We uh, the guy the guys that are running it both worked in Terra Nova and Nikita. Mm-hmm. And Terra Nova, we of course liked Terra Nova, even though it was canceled mm-hmm. after the first One, season. Yeah. Um, primarily because it had a god awful budget. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Uh, I, you know, I thought that there was there was a lot of. There was a lot of there was a lot of redeeming in oh. that a lot lot to redeem that show and mm-hmm. unfortunately just didn't quite pull in what they were hoping to pull in. I don't know this whole idea does it work? Does it? I mean, we're talking about a movie that has been I don't know it almost is it almost twenty years old? 
Is it? It's yeah. at least. Well, ninety five, ninety six. It came out. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's almost almost twenty years old. Right. Uh, have, have have we ever done that before? Taking a sci fi movie mm-hmm. that's been out for twenty years and made a TV show on it. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, yep. I would. Yeah, that would cause off of the Terminator. True. That's only. I mean, I, can think, I mean. But they did have. But the, the thing that that one has had has. There were other movies that came after the original movie. Right, but we don't talk about some of them. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I don't know if we've ever, ever, I mean, Stargate, but the, the, the franchise came out. That was only like three years. Yeah, after it was only the movie. three or four years after. Mm-hmm. It's a slippery slope. I mean, you really have to, it, you have to make sure that the franchise has enough weight behind it. Like when this new Star Wars stuff came out, um, which I don't like to talk about, um, the TV shows and the and the ki- the kids cartoons, that was a franchise that was well established. The original movies were ages ago, but there was something um, there was something much. It was more. It was recent and it was uh, relevant. Right. I don't. It's like they just kind of someone was really stoned and went, <gasps> dude. What if we made a show about twelve monkeys? I know. And his buddy goes. Dude, what if a monkey came out of my eyeball? And then they giggled. Yeah. And that's the TV show. It's, I don't know where this is coming from. So I'm, cu- I'm curious. Someone needs to tell them it's not a TV show about actual monkeys, and then we'll be good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we have Caesar coming for in Planet of the Apes 2. But. <laughs> Are they making that? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, uh, oh, they, released okay. a, uh, a, they released one of the first stills uh, at Comic-Con. Oh, the joy of Comic-Con. I know. Well, let's talk about Comic-Con. And let's start with you. What what for you was some of the biggest news? uh, One item that, well, let me do one item right now. What was the biggest news for you that came out of Comic-Con? Batman, Superman. (laughs) And it's not because it's the first thing on your list for us to talk about. No. It was, I, I, I was in the, I was around people and I just went, holy and just, I was so excited. <laughs> oh, man. So excited. But I'm worried that they're rushing and they're not going to take the time to make it amazing. Like we discussed with Jeffrey when we had the Superman show, um, that they're not going to give it the love and the care that they gave Man of Steel. Like they really crafted that beautifully. And the the Dark Knight series was crafted. The last movie was a little bizarre, but it was you could see the the, the care and, and tenderness that they took with it to make sure it was epic. Right. So, and this is bat. It's not Batman and Superman. It's Batman versus Superman, if I remember correctly, or it's Superman versus Batman. That means there's something epic and awesome going on, and I am totally going to be there at the midnight showing. Well, you know, and this is one of the this is again the first time that you've seen these two heroes in the big screen face off like this, and so that'll be in, uh, in real life. Yeah, live and action. Yeah. yeah, live action. <laughs> as far as as far as uh, live action goes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was I, I read it. Jeffrey posted something about this and about how he's excited about this, but kind of disappointed at the same time because you. Uh, you haven't given you don't give Superman himself to kind of our Man of Steel himself to actually uh, develop, develop his yeah. own his own character storyline because there's so much you could do with just Man of Steel and with uh, with with Superman himself without delving into the Batman storyline yet. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Superman like they needed. Go ahead, man. 
Oh, no, they need one more Superman movie, and then they could have done the crossover. But I'm excited nonetheless. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Miles. I stepped on your... <laughs> I was just going to pretty much echo what you are going to say. I mean, yeah, it, there should be one more Superman movie, and, and also we should see you know him go against Lex Luthor. Yeah, somewhere in there. And I think you're going to miss that when you, when you get a Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman movie. You're just going to lose it. And again, this is kind of a preamble. I think they're trying to set us up for the Justice League movie down mm-hmm. the road, but... It seems to be seems to be a little bit uh, soon for this, but excited nonetheless. Excited nonetheless. Well, Warner Brothers is scrambling. You know, they're really scrambling. Disney didn't do really well with some of their releases, but they've got Marvel to sit back on. And since Dark Knight is sort of retired, and Harry Potter is gone, Time Warner really doesn't have a franchise. To, to bank on. So they're going to now Man of Steel is out and they're trying to compete. They're keeping up with um, the Joneses. So this could either be really good or it could go terribly wrong. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're hoping for the best. Uh, how about you, uh, Miles? What was the top piece of news for you that came out of uh, Comic-Con? Um, there's a lot of good stuff here. The fact that... I heard this before, but it, you know, just good to confirm it. Uh, the Peter uh, Dinklage from um, Game of Thrones, he he's going to have an, He's going to be in the new X Men movie. Oh yeah, uh, what, did he? What, any any like what's the what's the news behind that? Like, I mean, what did he? What role? Do they know what role he is playing or anything like that? I oh, he's playing Mystique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> can you imagine? That? That's, that's oh, be <laughs> nice. No, uh, the character he's playing is Bolivar Trask, right? Which I'm, I'm not not sure which character that is in, in the in the series. But Where's Jeffrey when you need someone in his comic books? But well, that's Marvel. That's Marvel. Don't get mm. don't get him started. Okay, no, no, no. Don't. It's just it's he is a he's a very DC guy, and when we talk DC, I think we should totally have him on board. But he's not a Marvel kid. He's not. I, he I think he digs it, but he's much more a DC guy. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. We'll have to find one of your friends that's a, a Marvel guy. I I will start in finding one. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably one of the other uh, big news is we get a title for the Avengers movie mm-hmm. and a little bit more about the villain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was obviously uh, pretty big news. What was the title they had? I just had that here and I just lost it. Oh, new title villain. It is, uh, I just lost it. Oh, The Age of Ultron. Which? What? No, Days of Future Past? No, no, no. The Avengers, Age of Ultron, isn't it? <gasps> oh, 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 Avengers. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was reading the X-Men. <laughs> you were looking at the X-Men? No. <laughs> the Age of Ultron? Yeah. Awesome! <laughs> Mixing the genres a bit there. Yeah. Well, you know, X-Men. I would totally watch Crossover. <laughs> but uh, who's the villain? I didn't see it. Oh, here he is. Named Ultron? Oh, yeah, Ultron's a robot. But now, here's... Here's the mm. here, here's the problem. At the end of the sequel, didn't they introduce Thanos as being kind of the villain? That's a big question mark because there's a lot of chit chat about that about who that really was. And right. I, I was just gonna sit back. I'm patient enough that and kind of don't care enough that I, I'm curious to see what they're gonna pull up. There was it was discussion of Thanos, and then there was someone else that it's escaping me now. Um, yeah. Oh, sweet Jiminy Christmas. Hold on. To the internet. Well, you know, Hank, what, Pym, better known as Ant-Man. So that's kind of cool. He's developed by Ant-Man, so they bring Ant-Man in. 
why is he a character? Which is, <laughs> I, know. I always found him kind of boring, but that'll be fun. My, my son loves Ant-Man. And okay. And Pixie, so, you know, whatever. But, uh, uh, Em, back to you. Uh, give me another piece of news at Comic-Con that you were just absolutely stoked. Mm, it was... Oh, let me find his correct. I'm 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 blanking on his name, but the story made me very giggly when he, Brian Cranston, walked around Comic Con dressed up in his in his costume <laughs> from the show. I know that I adore that he did that. I absolutely adore that he did that. The whole hiding in plain sight thing. Uh, just I wonder how many people walked up to him and went, "Dude, your costume is money. You know, <laughs> you look." Just like him. <laughs> Dude, you look just like him, but man, he's a really crappy actor. What? Yeah, yeah. I, that must have been an absolute, it just it had, that had to tickle him. Yeah, you, you can't imagine, you have to imagine him being an actor and just absolutely eating it up the, pack, the fact that he could just be out there because so many times actors are just hounded. And the mm. fact that he's able to kind of be there and just kind of, be playing, quote unquote, his character, but kind of being himself at the con is has to be kind of cool. This guy has done very well for himself with Breaking Bad. I mean, I I, I didn't watch the show, but I knew he did um, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, the father. The father, yeah. and he was on Seinfeld. Who did he play in Seinfeld? He was the dentist. He was the dentist who became Jewish for the joke. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, Sally, can I have a little shtekel of fluoride? <laughs> but and I, Jerry got really pissed. He's like, he became a Jew for the jokes. Right. Uh, and I remember him. Yeah. these people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's all, well, he was also in, um, let's see, uh, the, the remake of um, Total Recall. He was the, the main baddie in that movie. And uh, not not a sci-fi movie, but uh, a World War II epic movie, or, or Red Tails. He was in that one also. So his career has kind of exploded in the, la- in the last uh, five or ten years. He's a talent. He's an absolute talent. I think mean, he's hilarious. He can. I, I've seen him in just about every genre, and he just blends beautifully. And I love seeing him work. Miles, how about you? Give me a piece of news that came out of Comic-Con that excited you. Another piece. Uh, so, so Marvel screens uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot and Kobe Smulders appears in it. So, Dude, I'm so looking forward to this. This, uh, is, this is, I think this is the, it's a fall, right? Mm-hmm. It is the show that I'm looking forward to most this fall. New show. Yeah. Right now, my wife and I aren't watching any sci-fi shows together right now. So I'm hoping that maybe she'll, she'll gravitate. She loved the Avengers and, and and the all the old Marvel movies and so yeah, but Thor's not going to be in there without a shirt. And come on, I, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Wait, oh, he's not? No, he's not going to be in the TV show. In the TV show, mm-hmm. okay. they're talking about. I, the TV I'm show. excited about Kobe. She's so she's was a great. She she was I was annoyed that she was kind of sidekicky, but I was thrilled that she just didn't take a lot of crap from anybody. Yeah. Right. And um, there, there's some good delete. I mean, if, if if you have a copy of the Avengers or you get one that has the deleted scenes, she has more of a, a more prominent role. in Yeah. That. She, yeah. She has some good, good, good dialogue in there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, I, again, it's one of the it's it's one of the pilots that I'm that I'm interested in seeing the most. I think that one. And what is the is it, is it almost human? Is that the one with uh, Dr. McCoy in it? Right, uh, Carl Urban. Carl. Yeah. Thank you, mm-hmm. uh, Carl yes. Urban. And uh, and uh, it's kind of this. Buddy cop, Terminator type. 
Oh, iRobot. Yeah, oh, RoboCop, mm-hmm. uh, kind of all meshed into one. And that one looked good. And I, my understanding is that the response to both those pilots were pretty positive. So I'm actually uh, looking forward to that. And that's coming up pretty quick. I mean, September is just around the corner. I know. I know. I know, I know, I know. Let, let, let the summer slow down just a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So my um, – the other um, – Thing for me that really was awesome was the uh, the whole sci-fi uh, the, the Serenity uh, video game is coming out. Yay! Yay! Exciting! I mean, come on. So here's the here's the here's the story. I want to I'm going to jump down just a little bit because this is a story I actually do want to take a little bit of time to read. It's taken almost a decade, but Joss Whedon's beloved Firefly is coming back to life. Just not exactly the way we expected. Uh, it's an on social online role playing game based in the short lived series. It was announced at Comic Con, of course, where else? That uh, puts players in control of a captain who has to assemble his crew and get to work. The game is currently in development for iOS and Android, although other platforms could follow by the time production goes live in 2014. As for actual details, are pretty scant. Um, the trailer is below, and I'm not going to play it because all it is is just music and some images, but it's pretty cool. I got excited watching it. Um, and uh, they're uh, basically here's kind of what they're saying players will do in the game Firefly Online players assume the role of the ship captain as they hire a crew, seek out adventures, all while trading with and competing against the millions of other players trying to survive the verse, find a crew, find a job, and keep flying. Um, you get to assume the role of a captain. You get to misbehave in space and planet side adventures, and um, it's kind. Of, and you can create shiny new ships. And so I, I'm excited. I signed up already. They had a sign up list on their webpage. I just I had to go. So uh, here's my question for you guys: the fact that they're bringing it to iOS and Android does that pose a problem, or is that is that a problem at all? It depends. Go ahead. So, like, I I was expecting it to be kind of like an MMO, where you sit down and there's and there's a lot of graphics involved. So those kind of games are played mostly on like laptops and desktops and some. So the fact that it's going on a in a portable platform, I wonder just how much good resolution it'll be and how fast the game will be. Um, but it's. It's got. I have question marks. That's why I haven't signed up for it yet. But I need to because I want to check it out. I'm. I'm gonna. You know. I'm gonna play the crap out of it. Oh, you know, and you know, <laughs> and what a in, in what Firefly fan that has an iPhone or an Android won't. Um, I know. <laughs> I mean, the graphics. Miles, you watched the trailer. What did you think of the graphics that they're showing? Here? Yeah, the, the the graphics look great. Just on playing on a small screen. I don't know how. You know, I, I mean, playing Angry Birds on your iPhone is, you know, that's that's one thing. But something as as detailed as Firefly on on just the iPhone, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to make that leap. I know, but you look at you know 2014. Um, there's going to be advancements in resolution. You, mm-hmm. you, you already have the Retina display. I have a feeling that the, the, that the game will look good. I don't know how it'll play. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a too small a screen for that for me. Yeah. The one thing. Go ahead. Oh well, no. I just I'm I'm super excited because to me that means Firefly is still relevant and still important and absolutely. I'm gonna make this statement, and there are some Firefly fans who I pissed off this weekend because I said it. 
There is no way on God's green earth that Firefly is going to come back as a TV show with the original actors leaving, starting up where they left off. It's just not going to happen. Oh, it can't. I, I accept that. I love the show, but I'm, I'm, I accept this. It's just not going to happen. And some of the diehards are like, uh, three people in front of me, we were having a nice little chat about, about Comic-Con, and they, were, they went ape nuts because they were like, well, I can't believe they're not bringing it back, and they're just bringing out a game. Look, chuckleheads, it's exciting that they're <laughs> still thinking about the genre, that they're still thinking about this franchise. Be excited. Joss Whedon could go, all right, you know what? I'm retiring it. It's done. And we'll never see it again. This is great. Zip it. Enjoy. So, yeah, I don't, I, you know, if there's all two of my fans out there, we'll be angry or not or whatever. But this is, this is neat. It's a new, it's a new medium for taking, you know, all the other Star Wars, Star Trek, all that is out on games already. To have Firefly out and about like that, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I want to see how well it plays, but I'm excited to have a little something, a little taste, an amuse-bouche of Firefly. You know, and you brought you bring up something that's very true. The only way that Firefly ever comes back to the TV is through is through a reboot. It's either through a mm-hmm. reboot or you jump in to the future. You know, your twenty, thirty, forty years and uh, have uh, you know a revolution occurring or something like that, or you, you do something that because you can't. You're right. You can't bring the crew back. The crew's They've each, they, they all have other shows that they have done to success or limited success to one way or the other. I mean, Summer Glau is Arrow now. She's coming out in Arrow this next mm-hmm. year, which means Arrow's going to be canceled. Season. Hey, Just kidding. Hey, Just, hey. Kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I, do not, I love Aww. Arrow, so I don't wish that on Arrow at all. Um, don't, don't, don't be speaking bad about Summer. I know. And then we could Nathan Fillion's Castle, and uh, you know, Adam Baldwin has his. Um, Political rants, and you know, it's just you know, whatever. Yeah, he's got something. He does. <laughs> There's just no. It's just. It's not going to happen. So live, accept it. Make room for to get rid of that old anger for it not coming back, and make room for the all the new fun stuff. That's all I'm going to say. I still hold a candle that maybe. I mean, I. You're right. I mean, and there's no way to get the original cast together and and re, and, and do the show. Um, but maybe I, I hold a candle that maybe Joss could do a new Firefly show with you know a, with with a different cast of characters. The universe is so rich; it's got so you know it's it's interesting Agreed. that you, you, we have we we love Captain Mallon and his oh, crew. Totally. But, but I think he could still create another crew, another ship. The whole concept of space cowboy is delicious. Yeah. So, and in, in that universe, because there, there, there's just so much in that universe that is interesting, and uh, I, you know, Whedon can write for some, create some really interesting characters uh, for for a new Firefly show. Uh, doesn't have, I mean, be a totally different ship. Maybe have to be a totally different name. But if it's in that universe, I, I'd be a happy camper. You know. He, it, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, you just have to watch Avengers to know that Whedon has what it takes as far as writing to bring off a show like this. One of the things that Firefly did as well is that cast just really connected chemistry-wise in a way that you believed them. That not, despite mm-hmm. the writing of some shows, uh, sometimes the chemistry just doesn't connect. And there's something about 
how each of these characters were so different yet somehow interacted and formed a crew that made it such a lovable show. And so if he does bring it back, he's going to have to somehow capture that, the essence of that, mm-hmm. because that's what made Firefly. Firefly, like my wife loved Firefly and it wasn't the space travel. wasn't, it wasn't the adventure. It was the way that cast was believable and the way they worked together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he was able to take a unremarkable looking ship and, you know, there was no aliens, there was no faster than light travel, um, but it was still out in space. And so you still had you still had that. That was still an interesting backdrop. But, you know, just just made all these people extremely interesting. And you want to know he, he got you, you know, to invest yourself in them. See, I'm going to need to go watch Firefly again. You guys are- I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault, Scott. <laughs> well, you know, I just want the other thing that I want to say is any time you see Joss's name mentioned, They'll mention Avengers, obviously. Now mm-hmm. they mention Buffy, and they always mention Firefly. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though we have only twelve episodes ever aired, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, somehow this show has become well the crowning one of its crowning achievements. And and for most of us, we didn't discover it when it was first on TV. We discovered it after you know, a good year or two after it was off the air, and the DVDs came out. Yeah. Do you, I, you know, if I worked at Fox and every time Firefly was mentioned in an article, I would print it out and leave it on the desk of the jackhole who canceled it. <laughs> oh, look. Wow. Isn't that that show that you said was dumb and didn't really have an audience? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that shows and like Dollhouse were given a second season. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't want to cancel it after a first season on the off chance that somehow they were making this terrible mistake. Well, it's I, a Whedon. Don't, don't cancel. Don't cancel. At least Fox did give Dollhouse a second chance with a second season. It, it didn't take, but... Maybe maybe you're right. Is because there were issues of pacing in that show. I mean, but yeah, I don't. I, you know, we like the show, but yeah, maybe it was just no. It was going to work. Uh, no. well, it's, that, that was a fun rant. All right, yeah, fun rant. Uh, anything else that came out of Comic Con that had you kind of excited? Uh, actually, there was one thing for me, and now I just lost it. Well, I was going to say the the X Files. Come on, we got to talk about that. We talked about pre show here, but uh, X Files had what the the twentieth anniversary of X Files. Has it been that long? Yes, oh my yes. Gosh, it's been that long. Ninety three X Files came out, and uh, then uh, David Duchovny, Julian Anderson, Chris Carter, and uh, what other guy were there? Um, and you know, Fox Mulder and Dana Scully come out with flashlights to start the con panel. Ooh, so I exciting! Know. I'm sure That's there's a lot cool. of nerds having a nerdgasm. Uh, well, I was when I read it, and <laughs> I was like, and of course, of course, they're being questioned religiously about a movie three, which, in my opinion, has a very outside chance of ever being made because the second movie they made was just so disastrous. Not, well, you know, you know, for me, it wasn't that it was a terrible movie. It's just that the fans were expecting something that dealt with the mythos, you know, with aliens. Mm. And what do you do? You had to deal with a pedophile priest that can predict the future, right? Oh, I mean, and, and, and that sounds bad, but yeah. uh, he was actually one of the redeeming parts of the show for me, but, uh, or in the show, I call it the show, but the movie, but 
and it was good certainly to see Fox Mulder and Dana Scully and mm-hmm. you know Mitch back in you know and uh, <clears throat> Skinner I mean back in the show but it was it was missing you know that central alien theme X file that you constantly expect out of the X files and. Whatever. That's mm-hmm. my rant on that. <laughs> I, I, I did go and see it in the theaters, and I bought it in DVDs, so I have no excuse. But, you know, because I love X-Files that much. It's one of my, I was talking with uh, Matt Mathers. I said, X-Files has to be still one of my top favorite shows of all time, mm-hmm. even though I haven't watched a single episode in probably years. But. I just started rewatching them because I needed something to for the summer, and I ju- I just put on the first episode last week, and I thought, do I want to watch this? And then five minutes in, I thought, oh yes, I want to watch <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, you know, and that and that first season, that first season is for me when I go back and rewatch it, it's kind of like watching TNG, the first season. There it's- there there are some great moments, and then there's moments you're like, man, this is so dated. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. but but then you get into like the second, third season, and suddenly the mythos begins to form and shape. And man, I'm glad Fox wasn't on their uh, canceling thing after the first season of X Files because they got, you know, that the middle the middle of the X Files is some of the best sci-fi TV you had around. Hmm. But I think in general, for me, everything that came out of of Comic Con this this weekend was just this plethora of of genre TV and movies and books. And it was funny. I've been watching, um, I watched a a show on the Hulu about Comic-Con and how Comic-Con isn't really about comics anymore, that it's, it's, it's the opportunity for creative people in any kind of media. Oh yeah. To develop something. And it's, it's, it's the place for you to take some, to take, if it's science at all, if it's mystical, if it's magical, that's your core audience. And the beauty of the, the geek audience is they're going to tell you the truth. So if it doesn't play at Comic-Con, you need to go back and rewrite it and refilm it. If it, if it does not succeed, if you do not get Hall H, like on their feet screaming for it, then it's 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 the proving grounds now. It's wonderful. It's it's absolutely wonderful. What was the oh the other thing that I I kept reading were all of these guys who were talking about well when I went to Comic Con twenty years ago we didn't even have girls here. <laughs> what is this? I feel disenfranchised. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one it's kind of nice. Well, you know you you mentioned that about Comic Con. You know I'm reading stories like Bones. There was a Bones panel at you know Comic Con. You know we look at a TV show like Bones, you don't think sci-fi necessarily but but it is sciencey you're right but it's not necessarily what we could call traditionally like comic book or science fictiony type stuff or even fantasy that you would definitely put in there but there's a lot of fringe stuff that people just kind of geek out on that kind of play there and i guess the fact that david boreanaz is in it doesn't hinder it well, in one Angel. of the articles, there's it says here, not every show debuting at Comic-Con features superheroes, robots, or vampires. For the first time, James Spader is a, uh, attended Comic-Con. The unfiltered actor will appear on a panel for NBC's new crime thriller, The Blacklist, following a screening of the pilot in which Spader plays a rogue mastermind who mysteriously agrees to start working with the FBI. Dude, so, I can't wait for that one. We saw the trailer for that. We <laughs> talked about it earlier. I, I, oh man, that is that is another one. That's another show. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cutting in here, but I, I I just absolutely can't cannot wait for that show. What's James Spader? He's just 
He's delectable. <laughs> He's you know. so dirty. Like I just, I want to bathe him, like it, just morally, because <laughs> he just sees such a strange, creepy guy. But you still want to hang out with him. <laughs> you just, uh. you know, keep your distance and mm. don't get into his windowless van. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, I haven't watched a lot of James Spader beyond, I mean, my first encounter with him, I know he did a ton of other stuff, but was, of course, Stargate. You know, when he was in, you know, when he was, you know, when he was the Daniel Jackson before SG-1 came around, you know, you know, Mr. Sneezy himself. I, you know, I, I just, um, and so to see him back in here, I know it's not science fiction technically, but man, I was, I was stoked about seeing this trailer and. Uh, I, I'm glad to see that. Um, did you did you hear um, what sort of response the uh, pilot got at Comic Con? Um, I haven't. I heard that it's. I, I I have heard from a friend of mine that it was uh, that she's stoked about it. Um, and the 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 I have to I have to do some more research on it because, like I said, I went into overload. Right. I went into absolute o- overload. And um, what's funny is you mentioned your first. You know, the first time you saw James Spader. Uh, do you remember a movie in the 80s called Mannequin? I remember it. I don't remember if I saw it. I've so, seen parts of it on TV. I never watched it from beginning to end, though. There's this really neurotic store manager who walks around with a hunchback and with weird glasses and his hair slicked back and he's really freaking out. That, my friends, was James Spader. <laughs> <laughs> That was, it was, I'm trying to figure, it's, I'm going into IMDb right now, and he made all these amazing, creepy movies, and I, I'm pretty sure if we met him and I said, so, what was it like working on Mannequin? He wouldn't answer. <laughs> 1987 with Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall, mm. James Spader, and G.W. Bailey, the guy who was always the, um, he was the sergeant in all the the police academy movies. <laughs> oh yeah! So you've come a long way, baby Spader. Oh yes. Uh, he was also in one of the Brat Pack. Well, maybe more than one. Uh, he was pretty in uh, pink. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, he was also in the Office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, was he delicious in the Office? <laughs> oh it's man! Like pound cake soaked in rum <laughs> and scotch and sadness. Oh man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I, I believe we can kind of. Um, there was some Riddick news that came out. Mm, uh, that's true. That's true. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, well, listeners, is there anything else about Comic Con you want us to talk about? You let us know. Anything that Miles or M you want to talk about regarding Comic Con? Are we uh, talked about it enough? Uh, I want to start a Kickstarter to pay for me to go next year. That's right. <laughs> we should. We should. That would be awesome. Dude. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move into some. Do you want to talk about this one? Does this, 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 is, is this tied into Comic-Con a little bit? The whole uh, geek show inherit the earth? It is a little because why it kind of. Why, why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Okay. So let me find the article. So there was an article that posted yesterday in the Associated Press called The New Reality and the Geek, sh- and the geek Shall Inherit the Earth. And. The first paragraph kind of says it all. Um, Samuel L. Jackson visits Golden Apple Comics in Los Angeles twice a month. Employees there keep a box stuffed with the latest comics and graphic novels. Does that make him a nerd? Go ahead. Call him that. 
We dare you. <laughs> Isn't that so true? It, it well, and he even says, I, um, I don't know who actually defined it as such. Jackson said during an interview of Saturday in Comic-Con where he was promoting the fantasy-driven film Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I've always read comic books. I've always spent time in comic book stores. I still do. I don't particularly consider myself a nerd. It's just that part of pop culture that I'm also a part of. And it's it's the, the article, which I, I, I hope we're going to post on the website – it's really kind of neat. It describes how much deeper Comic-Con goes into and how much a broader spectrum of people it goes to, you know, and that comic books are, are I keep, I use the word relevant a lot, but it's true. Comic books are very relevant. Um, comic books are not just words on paper, Neil Gaiman points out. It's a multidiscipline art form and one that makes him aspire to more than the printed word has to offer as he works with an artist to create something never seen before. Um, it's, uh, he says right here, you do your best to write the most fantastic script you can for the most amazing artist. And then the, and more and more everyone wants to be involved, people in Hollywood, with the power to green light. Now look at comics as respectable medium as anything, as novels, as plays, as anything. Um, and that's the president of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige. Uh, they see there are great, great stories and great characters to be mined from those issues. So it's, it, it, it's true. This, this, you know, all those wonderful things that everybody loved so much, but were afraid to talk about because they would get the crap beat out of them. It's so much more, it's so much, it's so deep. And these stories are so well-crafted and you have to craft them deeply. And the article just made me very joyful because it's, it's neat. Um, Let's. I, I I put it, I would put it on the site because it's super long. Everybody should read it. It's it's really well written. Am I already took the liberty of putting on our Facebook page? Yay! Yeah. So yeah, and we can maybe post it on the uh, main site as well because I mean, he, he says it so right. I mean, you look at you know in the sixties, seventies, in the fifties, you know. You know what kid you know didn't go to a comic book store and pick up their comics? You know, and this wasn't. It wasn't considered that you were a geek or a nerd. It was just kind of part of life. It was part of what you did. And uh, somehow we've classified it into a certain genre or subset of people and saying that this is kind of uh, more normal than maybe we think. What's great is the best, the, the very last line in the article is a quote that says, I've never been in a venue like this before in my life where just the joy and the happiness is so palpable and the camaraderie is amazing. It's the, the, even the little cons I've been to, I felt it. I can only imagine on this. It's, it's, it's to the nth degree at that scale. And I, I can only imagine that kind of you walk in and, and you know, one of us <laughs> right, like-minded people. Welcome home, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you definitely do see that. You know, we're talking about shore leave here in, the, in, in a couple of days we'll be heading to, and or you guys will be heading to. I'm not because of family obligation. But, you, you, you know, that same feeling is there. And I can just imagine when you get to places like Dragon Con or for UM in October, you know, New York Comic Con, right? I'm that, freaking out. You know, there's, this, uh, there's, a, there's just a sense of palpable excitement. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there is, especially when we go to the smaller cons, and just imagine going to someone like San Diego Comic Con, where there, where it's multiplied by, well, you know, a hundred. I mean, as far as how many people are going to be there. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm afraid I might weep. <laughs> I might walk in and just cry. This <laughs> <laughs> is the most beautiful thing I've ever been. <laughs> And then here comes Nathan Fillion to put his arm around me. It's okay. Let me show you around. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, my new personal best friend, Nathan Fillion. And right, then... Right. And then you realize it's actually a cosplayer dressed up as Nathan Fillion. And I punch him in the neck. But right. no, I hug him because he looks good. <laughs> right, right, right. And I let him buy me a drink. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that went too far. All right, just a little bit. No, that's all right. You uh, can edit that out. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm not going to edit that. <laughs> we won't edit that. That's good material there. It's good material. Um, let's move in. To uh, we want to get to the Emmy nom- enemy, the Emmy nomination, yes. yes, yes. But before we do, I want to talk about this other story that I just ran across in Sci-Fi, and I said, seriously, Sci-Fi? It's this post-apocalyptic Wizard of Oz miniseries coming to Sci-Fi. Are this a feature? Wrong. <laughs> so uh, let's not read the article. Let's talk about this a little bit. And uh, and what's your thoughts about this? <laughs> I think we're getting their thoughts right now. <laughs> That's, are you kidding me? But then again, I have one word for you. Sharknado. I know, I know. Seriously. Well, look who's look who's directing it. The guy that put out Abram Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Okay. Do I need to say anything else? That movie was so adorable. <laughs> I know. Was, I mean, it was really cute, but really post-apocalyptic Wizard of Oz. Why? Well, okay. I'm gonna give it a. I'll. I'll, I'll watch the pilot. Oh, you know it's. I'm not even going to do that. Yeah. You know, <gasps> d- didn't they just put out Tin Man not that long ago? About five yeah, years ago, yeah. that was okay. Yeah, I mean, I watched part. I don't even think I finished it. I watched part of it. Uh, that was when I had live TV, and I watched part of it live. And, you know, so this guy, I believe it is, what is it? This modern-day warrior is transported into a post-apocalyptic future Oz. Once there, he, might, he, so not Dorothy, but he must team up with three more warriors dubbed Heartless, Brainless, and Coward. Where'd that come from? Hmm. Jinkies. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they don't have a writer for the project, but... Shocker. I know. But there's a... There's... Par- I tell you what, what excites me more is just a little blurb at the end, the fact that, that Sci-Fi is also going to be putting out a miniseries based on Ringworld by Larry Niven and mm-hmm. Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End. Those two excite me a bit more than Oz. Whatever. I'm a, I volunteer to watch and do a report on it. How about that? There you go. You are nominated. I will. I will lose the rock paper scissors. That is lizard Spock. Yeah, lizard Spock. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, by the way, they're playing that at Shorely this year. You they are. Enter? Are you going to enter? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to watch, but I'm not going. I I don't have the mental capacity to remember all of it. Right. Right. Rock covers scissors. Scissors covers rock. Spock. Dates lizard. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're in a whole different game there. All right. Uh, 2013 <laughs> <laughs> Emmy nominees of sci-fi shows. Let's talk about this. Emmy you pasted this article in. Yes. Um, impressions about what happened this year with the, with the Emmys. So genre shows didn't and, and 
genre comedy shows, and I say that because Big Bang Theory got a lot of thumbs up and Game of Thrones got a lot of thumbs up, and that's really it. Like, nobody else got anything. I think um, Walking Dead, there were a couple, excuse me, pardon me, <laughs> just belched like a man. Oh, there you are. You can, you can edit that out. So the genre shows and the comedy genre shows Big Bang Theory and Game of Thrones, tons of nominations. This is great. But Walking Dead, Arrow, all those other shows that are kind of a little off and a little creative, there was not, there was not a lot of love for Not a bit. Not for this. like none. I would say they, they were snubbed. They were. Uh, you know, the Americans, were. which I guess is kind of spy fi a little bit. But mm. Mm, yeah, you're stretching it a little bit. I am very tickled that House of Cards, that Netflix TV show, that that got a bunch of nominations. That show is unbelievable. It is dynamic. It is deep. It is dark. And the fact that I live like five miles away from Washington, D.C., it makes sense to me. <laughs> and it's 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 creepy awesome. It is, it's West Wing gone bad. It's wonderful. So I was really excited to see that House of Cards, that Netflix, a show that's not even on a major network, it's freaking online, has, is, is up there for, for all of these wins. Um, I mean, I don't know if you would, I don't consider Breaking Bad science fiction. It's, the, the fans cross over, but really Big Bang Theory kind of science fiction-y, Game of Thrones, that's it. There's outstanding drama, Game of Thrones, outstanding comedy, Big Bang, Jim Parsons, yay, Big Bang Theory for lead actor, um, Amelia Clark for Game of Thrones for supporting actress, Peter Dinklage, uh, I mean, he, he needs to walk away with it, Mayim Bialik for supporting actress <laughs> on a comedy series, love her, love her, her character is ridiculous and then for outstanding guest diana rigg on game of thrones have you guys are you guys watching that at all or have you watched it oh yeah but i oh is it not season three right yeah she's in season three and divine yeah. um and then outstanding writing um the game of thrones so that's it that's all and it's it's really disappointing that it's not being recognized for for the value that it has. Um, I mean, you think but, of you think of like shows even like Orphan Black where the main character's playing like eight different versions of herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think that some of that would at least be acknowledged. But you know, uh um you were talking about House of Cards. I think what excites me about that, the fact that that is nominated is that that, that paves the way for more shows like that to bypass the network and be released on something like Netflix. If I understand correctly, the way that show is developed is there was there was like a survey. What would you like to see? Someone's, you know, I want to see politics. I want to see intrigue. I want to see Kevin Spacey. Done, done, done. Boom. If you haven't seen it, take the time to watch it. it especially if you live in the Washington, D.C. area, you're going to love it. And if you don't love it, well, then that's okay because not everybody likes everything. Right. But you should like this. Yes. Because it's awesome. (laughs) And there you go. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Well, uh, one more news story before we head into, um, I guess, a movie trailer. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about this? Uh, Steven Spielberg saying that the movie industry is in trouble. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to talk about this, Miles? Yeah, well, 
M found the article, uh, but you don't uh, need to read everything. But but um, I don't even think you have to read too much. I just think he's he's probably right. But I'll read the first part just to get kind of get started. So when Steven Spielberg and George Lucas talk about movies, the entire world listens. After all, these two directors defined the movie industry for more than three decades, given as such timeless classics as Indiana Jones, Star Wars, E.T., and Jurassic Park. Yet Spielberg now believes that the entire industry is headed towards a major meltdown, and that current streak of bigger, louder, and more expensive Hollywood blockbusters is about to implode. Um, I, I, you know, I think, I think he's right. Yeah, uh, um, and he's citing uh, you know movies like After Earth, White House Down, Pacific Rim, Lone Ranger, all that kind of came up pretty short. Um. It's the wow factor that that it can't just be the wow of explosions and big and dark. There has to be it has to be a thinker. It's like what we I think we've talked about this before. How some of these action movies, like it was Star Trek, there was much more story than there was a lot of action, but the story really carried it and it was really thoughtful. Oh, and um, World War Z. You don't get serious action until you get action right at the beginning, but the final like blowout, that's the last 10 minutes of the movie. The rest is amazing storytelling and exposition, um, but not spoon-fed to you, really delivered to an audience intelligently. And and they're losing. I walked out of Long, Lone Ranger after 15 minutes. I just was bored. Okay. Okay. I just didn't care. And and when I read this article, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's totally right. Yeah. We'll paste the article into the show notes so you can kind of see what it says. But it's talking about stuff like the IMAX Avatar effect, um, the uh, theme park ride movies, uh, and desperate need to launch a new franchise type of thing mm-hmm. uh, that kind of undermines the idea of movies with depths. Uh, of characters, of honest mm-hmm. struggles and stuff that you just kind of uh, miss. And you, the, the 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 budgets on these new movies, I mean, well over a hundred million, pushing the two hundred million mark. Um, and so it's they're throwing everything they have into it, and uh, you just think of the movies that 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 tanked, that that had that kind of budget. I mean. John, this is a couple of years ago, but John Carter on Mars. I mean, that had a huge budget and snore. So I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, so let somebody else. M, did we lose you? No, go ahead. M. Oh, let somebody else pay for the rental for John Carter. <laughs> yeah, um, you know we're getting. I mean, this is. I thought this was a bad economy. I mean, it, but somehow. They can budget these movies for so so much, but just the the story just seems to be lacking in, in them. Lost. Yeah. The the line that the part of the article um, where it talks about the IMAX Avatar effect. In addition to 3D IMAX films, theaters are adding motion seats from D Box Technology. I saw that. What? I don't want that. 3D already makes me sick. If you really want it to be a vomitorium, make the shit. I mean, why? I don't know. 
No, I, really. I, I still remember being at and, uh, at a greater venture ride when I was a kid, and they had this. And this is like, I mean, IMAX has been around for years, so like late seventies, early eighties, they, they had IMAX, and we were in a a theater, and it was the entire. It was like a surround thing, like it was actually surrounded you, and and I got sick, and it was a baby carriage just running away. Mm-hmm. In the theater, you know, it was, now you were kind of following the baby carriage, and I got sick off of that. I can just imagine if you put motion seats into stuff that, and then have it in 3D yet, you'll have a lot of 3D vomit going in the theater. So that Sensory overload. It it's is. like the puke is coming right at me. Please bring on smell-o-vision. Uh, oh. I'll never go to the movies again. <laughs> Not only will they need to, you know, they have to give you glasses, but they'll also have to give you uh, barf bags, uh, those, and maybe uh, ponchos or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, just to just to protect you. Oh man, no, I, you know, and that was the first time I heard about the motion seats. So, but, you know, th- so they're throwing the the quantity at us, which you know, I want to see an impressive looking movie, but. I don't want to get sick watching it. Like, you don't give, want give to us the feel. And, I mean, come on, admit it. When Thor, you know, nails Loki with the hammer, mm-hmm. come on, you want no. to feel that. No, you I want don't. To, you want you want to feel no, what Loki's no. feeling. That's not necessary. No, I. I no, uh, I don't care. I want to watch him feel it, but I don't want to feel it. <laughs> you know, in the Avengers, when the Hulk grabbed Loki and did that thing where he threw him back and forth, back and forth, like three or four times. That looked great. I mean, with 3D or just standard definition, that looked great, but I'm just glad that wasn't me. When Captain America reaches out and touches Black Widow, you want to feel... I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we're not going to go there. <laughs> yes, all right. Family, family anyway, friendly. Yes, all right. Anyway, it's a really neat article. Um, and we'll I. It awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. We'll put it in. So I, I agree with Steven Spielberg. If the, the, the companies that make movies... Need to rethink uh, what they're doing. Yeah. Did you? Put- they need to treat the audience with a little bit more respect. Yeah, and dignity. Come on, we aren't stupid here. Well, maybe some people are, but we. <laughs> but there's a lot of intelligent viewers out there. The people that listen to this podcast are intelligent. Yes, absolutely. Right. All you listeners. So. We got brains, which mm-hmm. is why I like zombies. Um, so, Miles, did you put the uh, story about the was it Elysium? I put the link in the show notes. For do you want to talk about what do we know? Do we we talked? I thought we talked about this movie a little bit before. I don't I don't recall, but it's it it, it stars um, Matt Damon and uh, Jodie Foster. Um, but basically, the premise is um, it is is a dystopian future on Earth. However, Elysium is this uh, this the, this this space colony that. Um, it's kind of like paradise, right? That, yeah, where, where the elite they live in Elysium, but the um, the commoners live on Earth, and so one of the, one of the um, um, Matt Damon makes makes an effort to go to Elysium. I I have heard about it. I know it's from the same folks who did District Nine, and there's if I remember correctly, the utopian world. Has it's just it's perfection, and Matt Damon lives on the planet, and somebody gets sick, and there's really only one way to cure him is to go up to the um, to the this to Elysium, and either get the machine or get the technology or take the person up there. Um, 
but it ends up he he ends up with this exoskeleton kind of surgically implanted to him and you you had me at surgically implanted <laughs> right right well let's go ahead and play the trailer here and then we'll uh comment a little bit about it and then uh, we can go here this is i guess is the second trailer that came out because i did see another trailer for it earlier chicks again for her. But lots of visual from the director of District 9. has the power to override their whole system. Hey, bring down the bone saw! This ain't gonna kill me. You can save everyone. We're gonna break into the most heavily guarded place in the universe. Oh, yeah. the last time we saw Jodie Foster do anything? Was it Safe House or Safe or whatever it was called? Or is that... Mm, she's done a couple things. Um, yeah. Well, she did Contact. Well, that's the, that's my first real movie that I that I, re- that I really remember saying, wow, there's Jodie Foster. And then I wanted to date her. The last thing I saw her in, it was uh, about where her daughter disappears on that plane. And oh, they- yeah. I forgot. <gasps> Oh, that was awful. It was that such was. an awful. It was like awful good. Yeah. It broke my heart. Um, you know it. Sean, Sean Bain played the pilot, and they're saying, you know, you don't have a daughter. I mean, there's, you know, there's no, they're saying, saying she's crazy, and, you know, so it was, that, that was a good movie. Did you know Jodie Foster was on The Simpsons? No. No. She played, she was the voice of Maggie Simpson when she spoke. Oh. Well, actually, it was the second time, because I know Maggie spoke before, but I was just looking at, I'm cheating, I'm looking at IMDb. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, a couple of great ones in here. The Brave one was a beautiful movie that I saw her in. Um, Panic Room, excellent. Flight Plan was it was great. She's she, she just always delivers, although like some of the things she's done... I was never I was never a fan of Anna and the King. There was no need to remake that movie. And then of of course she she will always be perfection to me in Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever classic girls. 
Yeah, one of her classic roles. I, it's exciting to see her come back to this, and I'm not sure. I, I you know, I, I hope this movie delivers, but um, a little bit uh, leery of it actually pulling off something like District Nine did. And this, but, we talk about you know what Steven Spielberg had to say about you know the big budget movies and how this could make Hollywood implode. Looks like they poured a lot of money into this movie. Yeah. However, I think this movie might have might have more potential than some of the other movies that we talked about. That yeah. Didn't. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, the budget was only ninety million. Oh. That's nothing no, by that, today's standards. Yeah. And, that, and that's cheap. And uh, well, that's like what well, District Nine only. What did that cost? That was like under twenty five. Was it? It was like under thirty million to make, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a really. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to do. I mean, you you don't have that. There are only two really big names in here. We aren't talking about full ensemble casts that you sometimes get. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Pour yourself a tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news on This Week in Star Trek. Well, Miles, why don't you take us into This Week in Star Trek? Well, This Week in Star Trek, uh, we have another... um no YouTube video, but uh, we're a little closer to um, the holodeck on that that we we see on Star Trek Next Generation. Oh my! Oh, yeah. So uh, so Japanese scientists have uh, created uh, touchable holograms, and that's uh, that's kind of exciting here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exciting here. So how do you? F- let me actually get rid of the ad here, and let's. Uh, well, it's just was playing the trailer again. It must have popped open the wrong thing, or maybe I clicked the wrong thing. But, oh, I, I clicked the wrong thing. It was my fault. But touchable holograms, right? Mm-hmm. That brings us closer to what? The holodeck? The holodeck on Star Trek, yeah. Yeah. Holograms are three-dimensional images produced by two distinct beams of light. But until now, they could only be seen but not touched. Now scientists in Japan have changed all that with the creation of touchable holograms. Researchers at Tokyo University have come up with a technology that is a first and significant step away from the mouse and keyboard touchable holograms. Up until now, holography has been for the eyes only. And if you try to touch it, your hand would go right through. But now we have a technology that also adds the sensation of touch to holograms. The technology consists of software that uses ultrasonic waves to create pressure on the hand of the user touching the projected hologram. Researchers are using two Wiimotes from Nintendo's Wii gaming system to track a user's hand. The technology was used at SIGGRAPH, an annual computer graphics conference, and has so far only been tested with relatively simple objects. But its inventors have big plans for touchable holograms in the future. For example, it's been shown that in hospitals, there can be contamination between people due to objects that are touched communally. But if you can change the switches and such into a virtual switch, 
then you no longer have worry about touch contamination. This is one application that's quite easy to see. Touchable holograms could be used for a wide variety of things, everything from light switches to books, with each appearing when needed and then disappearing when not. And holograms could replace the need for making new interfaces for technology, since they could be changed without having to make a new physical product. Okay, let's talk about this.、Uh, yeah, I mean, not just the holodeck that we know, we, we, but, you know, you know, switches, where, you know, they, I mean, that would be germs couldn't contaminate or whatever.、Um, Computer interfaces. I mean, we, we've. I mean, I thought this was more, you know, way off in the future. We would see something like this. I mean, we would see, like on the new V show, all the, the, the visitors use these holographic interfaces. And,、um, but, but now it's maybe in our lifetime, this is something that's, that's reality. I didn't know they had something called holography. Okay. <laughs> that was like, that was this kind of interesting term. That they, you know, I'm amazed about what they can do with Wiimotes. Right. Because you, <laughs> seriously, I mean, when, when the Wii came out, everyone was figuring, reconfiguring these Wiimotes to do other things.、Mm-hmm. And here they are still cropping up in now holography, right?、Uh, thoughts on this? I'm a little speechless. It's. Because when he in the, in the video, well, it's a shocker, I know. Em、um, doesn't have an opinion. What? <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> I need more information. I need more input. I need to understand more because I, I, well, first off, we're far away from the holodeck because I'm not squeezing into that 12 by 12 box they had in there with the, the little <laughs> elephant running around on the hand. That was kind of cute. That was kind of cute. And, and then I, when I, it wasn't until he explained, I thought, well, with lasers, you can, you can see what the hand is doing, what a solid object is doing, and make the hologram react. But when he was saying that there are sensors and waves and sound waves, and I, I, want, I need more input. I need more input.、Hmm. Yeah. This is very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, it's kind of a baby step that direction. And,、uh, you know, Give yourself five or ten years and let's see what they're doing with the technology then. I mean, you're talking about like 3D printing is not all that far from this. Well, you know, they're using there's special ink made of、um, uh, amino acids and proteins that they use to print、um, ears. For、right. people who've lost their ears and then they grow the skin and cartilage around it. And they're testing like valves and.、Oh, yeah. If you, can, if you can liquefy the tissue that you need to grow the item, this could, it could be the, it, they're saying within the next 20 years, you could, you could 3D print yourself a new liver. Wow. That's awesome. I don't know about 20 years, maybe like 40,、yeah. but yeah. that'll be just around the time I need a whole new body printed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what, Absolutely. I think of Doc Brown in, in、uh, Back to the Future 2 went back to. In, Had, had a little se- work done? Oh, had, had several, several internal organs replaced and, you know,、uh, you know, had his blood changed out. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But、uh, not, 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 you know, not, not quite as theoretical as we may, maybe thought. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for that news, because it's definitely interesting in this week in Star Trek. The other thing we could have put in there is Zachary Quinto leaking when they're going to start filming Star Trek 3. What? <laughs> well, it was a Comic-Con leak, and then uh, was it Robert Orsi kind of backpedaled on it a little bit. So I don't think it's confirmed. But I hope they do start filming the new Star Trek movie this well, year. It'll be after Star Wars 7. So they'll, they'll make us wait four years again. Right, right. Well, right. Oh, yeah. Well, let's move into our uh, last promo before we get into our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Our last promo is for the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast. This is a podcast for people that watch every single sci-fi show out there and never sleep, like Kevin Batchelder, who we love. But uh, he manages to watch 13 or 14 sci-fi shows a week, and uh, I don't see how he does it. Oh, my God. I know. Well, he has this method. Like, he'll get up, he'll be getting ready for work in the morning, and he'll be watching a sci-fi show. You know, he'll be on his way to work, and he'll be watching a sci-fi show he'll be i don't know you know i hope it's on the metro right right that is like lunch break watching a sci-fi show on the way home from work i mean i can see how he does it right but and not sacrifice his family time it's possible you just have to discipline yourself right I, well, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I thought I watched too much TV. Yeah, anyways, this is a podcast for you. If you're interested in finding out what's going on in the world of genre television, you got to check out this podcast. So Ghost Infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person, but... Ugh, man, there's just way too much on all these channels. But only in-game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one! In your dreams, Nutloaf! Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get... I get visions. Walter, what are you doing? Watch and learn. I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? ready for dessert. Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top five, the worst five, of anything in science fiction or fantasy, in five minutes or less. And we're back, and tonight's Sci-Fi 5 and 5, Em, why don't you introduce us to the Sci-Fi 5 and 5? All right. I get to pick the Sci-Fi 5 at 5. I'm so excited. Tonight's Sci-Fi 5 at 5 is my fave, fab, fierce females. These are women who in any situation are self-rescuing sovereigns, ruling firmly in a universe that previously would have had them locked in the towers waiting for a hero. I love that. (laughs) So, thank you. Number 5, Princess Leia Organa. Don't you have an honorable mention you want to mention at the end? 
I'll mention it at the end. Okay, got it. Go ahead. So Princess Leia Organa. She's a revolutionary rebel leader who gives cheek to sci-fi's most notorious villain and bag cinema's most gorgeous man. Hello, nurse. She totally embodies intellect and guts when she is enslaved by a monstrous, disgusting Jabba the Hutt and strangles him with a chain and saves her boyfriend. Yay. She is both philosophically and physically capable and proves herself as a great marksman uh, and soldier for the Jedi. Leah is strong, smart, authoritative, and has a great sense of humor and heaps of integrity. Girls want to be Leia. Guys want to be with Leia. <laughs> well said. Yeah, absolutely. Any comments on that, fellas? Uh, no, no, no. Good choice. Can't, can't disagree with that. So my number four, Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton. Now, in Terminator, in the first Terminator, she's an everyday, timid kind of girl. She's just a waitress, and she's being pursued by this unstoppable cyborg from the future. And, ah, it's terrible. And then in T2, bam, she is muscle-bound, single-minded action heroine trained as a sur- in survivalist skills. Now, Lena Headey was great in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but there's something about the way Linda Hamilton delivered her performance because she set the bar for badassness. I think the best line in the world, and I uh, is there's twenty five uh, hundred. I'm going to start over. The best line in the world is there are two hundred and fifteen bones in the human body. That's one. <laughs> awesome. After she, she breaks Doctor Silverman's arm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, I just remember the first movie. She's not really that remarkable. I mean, she's kind of at the very end. She has a couple lines that kind of make it, but the T two really sets her apart. Oh yeah. And you can you see the spark when she there's a part where Kyle is just dying and she grabs him by the chest and says, "Come on, soldier," and gets him rolling. Her journey was very well written out. I mean, mm-hmm. between one one and two, and seeing she is a badass. I mean, she she it's possible she would have broken herself out of that mental hospital without the help of uh, Connor and the T and, and the T eight hundred. So. Um, yeah, another good choice. Yay. Okay, number three, Catherine J- Janeway, Kate Mulgrew, Star Trek Voyager. Oh, yeah. Star Trek's first female lead is a strong-willed, determined captain who will stop at almost nothing in her attempt to get her crew back to the Delta Quadrant. She maintained all due service to Starfleet and adhered to the directive she is honored to defend. But in the very end, with hindsight in her pocket, she risks law, life, and limb to bring her family home. She was elegant in the face of danger. She was kind in the times of need. Both Janeway and Mulgrew are just, they're made of cashmere and grace. The writers gave the guys, you know, the, we, uh, we are the Borg Barbie, but Kate, the Kates in this, no, Captain Janeway, she was definitely the don't F with me GI Jane. (laughs) Uh, And very true. Very true. I also, I mean, everything you said there was true, but she still retained, I thought, her femininity, and yes, and there are even times during the series, you know, we saw her allowed to be vulnerable uh, at yeah. times. But she was a mama bear. I mean, when it came to her crew, I mean, so yeah, oh, yeah. She, she another excellent choice. Awesome. Number two, Laura Roslin, Mary <sighs> McDonald, and BSG. 
Now, Laura Roslin is the strongest, in my mind, every, everyone has an opinion and that's totally fine, but in my mind, Laura Roslin is the strongest character in BSG, dying of cancer, constantly chided for being a teacher, and struggling just like everyone else with the epic annihilation of their own species by a xenophobic, redheaded stepchild that they created. Roslin still managed to be the leader of the human race. She doesn't compromise her morals. She's completely formidable in the face of her foes within the fleet. She takes on the military and the Cylons and everyone else to keep her people safe and free. And all the while, her body and mind rot from within with cancer. And Mary McDonald is amazing to begin with. I love her. And she plays her with vulnerability and strength. She's just completely overlooked because of the younger, randier fellow badass ladies on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it was one of the most moving moments. I mean, People will criticize the finale for Battlestar Galactica for years on end. But one of the most moving moments of the finale is when they're flying in the ship over Earth. And it's her and Adama and she passes on. It's just oh, yeah. absolutely one of the uh, – it's a tearjerker moment because you know that she's battled this the entire show. Because the very first episode she discovers she has cancer. I'm just thinking of some of the favorite dialogue and lines she, she has. And I'll just go to the pilots where – um, this is, you know, tor- tor- towards the end where her ship's rendezvous with uh, Adama and Adama is all gung-ho about going after the Cylons and um, he says, we're at war. And she goes, uh, no, we- we've lost the war. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, and sort of, she just makes that line, we got to start making babies, you know. <laughs> right. Um, which... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Adama then tells uh, Ty that, and Ty says, uh, "Is that an order?" <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I know I know I'm sounding like a you know a broken record here, but uh, another another really good choice. Yeah. And then, last but not least, uh, Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver from the Aliens world. Um, Ripley is the sole survivor of the Nostromus encounter with the acid-blooded menace. Isn't just one of the most iconic female characters of the genre, but she's one of the most iconic characters in cinematic history. An appealing combination of toughness, self-reliance, vulnerability, and sexiness, Ripley is far from the conventional damsel in distress. Sigourney Weaver is, in my opinion, the first woman to truly be an action sci-fi hero and represent women as more than just set dressing or a minor plot line. Agreed. Amen? Amen. Agreed. Yeah, it's a phenomenal. phenomenal. Can I say the line? Can I say the line? Go for it. Get away from her, you bitch! (laughs) It is. You know, it's just, and it's just, there's just so much that she, I went, we, which one did we, did we review? We reviewed two, yeah. Number two. That's the one, yeah. And, and I, and I, and, and because of that, I went and watched all of them. Okay. All four of them. Mm -hmm. And, because I never watched any of the LA movies. I only watched these like a year or two ago, Em. And she's absolutely captivating in every single one. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I, now, not all of them are as good as two, but they were, they were, her role was consistent throughout them. Oh, yeah. So. There, there's no one else out there. And then I want to give an honorable mention to Linda Carter as Wonder Woman growing up in the 70s. She was pretty much the only superhero, except for um, Electra Woman and Dyna Girl, but they were awful. 
<laughs> the it's Wonder Woman was amazing. Um, she was strong and steadfast and believed in honor and truth. And she was kicking Nazi butt and alien butt in Stars and Stripes hot pants. And for the time, she... Uh, I felt she was well represented without being a, without being a joke. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And it's uh, Linda Frickin Carter who lives in the Washington D.C. area. And the one time I saw her, I just about melted and giggled and said, "Oh my God, you're Wonder Woman!" And she <laughs> smiled and nodded very politely, and then continued on her way. And it was about ten years ago, twelve years ago. She's 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 epic, and awesome. so Wonder Woman gets an honorable mention. Yeah. And this is a real phenomenal list. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, well done. And it well representative of some really good, strong women in sci-fi. And I'm really glad you put it together. Thanks. You know what? I am super curious what the listeners would put together. So yeah, if so, they've got a list, I want I definitely want to hear it. Yeah, we would love to hear your own sci-fi five and five of your top Five female characters, would you? Would any of these make the list? Would there be different ones you'd place in the list? Um, there, there are Don't certainly there, there are certainly other you know ass kicking females out there, but uh, this is a pretty good list. And but, it's not even necessarily that they're ass kicking because, like, oh, there's a lot Laura- more to them. Yeah. Right. Laura Roslin didn't pick up a I don't even I don't remember her having a weapon in her hand at all. I don't think she did. She just it was her words. They, yeah. they were weapons. She had the Oh, exactly. And these are women who were who you had brains too. It wasn't just it wasn't just it wasn't, you know, Conan the Barbarian. They were incredibly intelligent women uh. who used their smarts to to overcome and to break through and to, you know, smash somebody in the arm like you do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Very true. Very true. Well, thanks, Em, again for giving us that list. And if you want to comment on that list, listeners, you can call in at 1-888-508-4343 or email us and give us your thoughts of what you think about this top five list. Or, hey, if you want to submit your own top five or worst five of anything, you can do so by... You know, using the uh, phone or the uh, emailing us an MP3 or writing it out, and we'll share it on the show. I'd like to hear worst of. I haven't had a worst of in a long time. We haven't time. had a worst of. I know. Wait. That should totally be a little contest. Uh, yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> That'll be our next contest, right? Mm-hmm. The worst five. Done and done. Done, done, done. We'll have to do that. That'll be great. Um, so, but yeah, uh, we'd love to hear it. And um, I believe that's about it. That wraps up the show. Anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we, we covered it. Yeah, sure. I talked too much. Yeah, no, that's fine. Shore Leave is coming up. If you have any questions hey. for any of the guests there, make sure you email them to us before next Friday when we are heading to the con. Right. And uh, we will be interviewing. We know we have. Uh, we definitely have um, the lady from Babylon Five, mm-hmm. and uh, and also Amanda Tapping. We are definitely interviewing her. Yeah. So you know, Julie Caitlin Brown and Amanda Tapping are definitely confirmed. Yeah, they're definitely confirmed, and we don't typically know. Real far in advance, who's confirmed or not, we'll find that out probably in the next week or so. Right. And if any of the listeners need me to go and hug Eddie McClintock, I will totally go do it. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll hug Eddie McClintock. I don't care. Yeah, who, who wouldn't? I'm totally hugging him first, yo. We'll, we'll fight for it. Yeah, he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We will see ya. Till next time, good night and good luck. Everybody do your dailies. 
Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at scifidinerpodcast.com.
So we would go get grilled cheeses. Okay. And I just remember getting a grilled cheese, and it would be so yummy. Be like the grab, and it was just bread and cheese. But I guess at the age of four, mm. it was the best grilled cheese ever. Mm. Probably because they used real butter. Probably. Our lard, one of the two. Exactly. How are you kids today? <laughs> good, good. Do you remember Kmart? Kmart used to have a little cafe. They did. I don't remember anything good about it. I just remember they had it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was Cheap Eats in college. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely Cheap Eats. Hey, that and the ramen noodles. Come on. Yes. Bring it. Well, back, back in the day, <laughs> um, Taco Bell had a 25 cents, 35 cents, 45 cents menu. Really? You could get a crunchy taco for a quarter. So for a buck, you could eat like a king. That's awesome. And now it's like a buck (laughs) fifty. Inflation. Yeah, you know. You kids and your crazy times and your internet (laughs) and cars with wheels. You know, we had to crank the engine. We didn't have keys. You're so fancy and spoiled. (laughs) Back in my day... We ha- we didn't have these MP3 players or iPods. We had. You know what an iPod was? My parents' house on a Saturday night, listening to Benny Hill. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just on top of everything. Ooh, I made the font too big. I made the font too big. Oh, oh sure, blame it. me. I can read it. No, I did it. I did it. There we go. Size matters. Come on. It does. Miles I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Miles is shaking his head. It totally does. 